Where have you been? We're back for season four. This is Mega Maker episode 44. Hey folks, how is it going? Oh, wow. It is 2017, February to be exact, and I have to apologize to all of you listening right now, because if you go to megamaker.co, or if you've been going there, I said season four coming January 2017, and obviously it is not that month. (laughs) And uh, there's lots of reasons for that. Uh, which I will explain uh, maybe in this episode, maybe in future episodes. But for the time being, all that matters is I'm back and I appreciate the fact that you're still subscribed. And hey, if you have not yet left a review in iTunes, now's a great time to do that because it helps kickstart the show, helps people to find the show. And let's do one of those old style Mega Maker check ins. If you can hear my voice right now, I am in your earbuds. Tweet at me, the letter M, the letter I. Justin, tell me where you're listening. Tell me what you're up to. I'd love to hear from you. Now, we have some catch-up to do. Uh, There's a lot of things that have happened since the last episode, and the first thing I think I owe all of you is a year in review. How did 2016 go? And to get into this story... I need to go back to 2006 when my wife and I made a deal. At the time, we were 26 years old. We had two young kids at home and we just closed our retail business. And I I don't talk about this a lot, but I used to, uh, my wife and I and a few other partners used to run a skateboard, snowboard retail business in Alberta. We had two stores and we stocked soft goods, hard goods for yeah, snowboarding and skateboarding. And uh, if you have been observing the retail industry, uh, you know that uh, things are not good. Whether you're uh, a big player like Walmart, there was just a report that Amazon is killing Walmart in online sales and keeps, um, keeps taking over more of Walmart's market share every year all the way down to small players, so little stores like we had that were kind of serving a niche audience. It's hard to be in retail. And uh, that was a hard year because we had to close the businesses. And I almost had a a breakdown that year. You know, I've, uh, I've never had that kind of anxiety before. Actually, I, I've never had that kind of anxiety since. Um, yeah, that was a tough, tough year. And so we had made a decision that... After going through closing the business and paying, you know, we didn't declare bankruptcy. We paid off all of our debts. So we were, (laughs) this was just like a really hard year. And we decided that we wouldn't start another business until all of our kids were in school. So it took a while. Uh, We ended up having two more kids. By the way, some of you keep trying to say I have five kids. (laughs) I I only have four kids. Don't try to give me another one. Um, But finally... January 2016, uh, well, actually, September uh, 2015 is when they were all in school, but then January 1st, 2016 is when I was able to go independent 
to have my own business uh, with customers and not be consulting or working a full-time job. And really, I've been waiting 10 years for this. <laughs> um, and so to be able to make the jump to being a solopreneur full-time was a big, big step. And you folks who have been listening all along were really there for a part of that. Really, I had two big goals for 2016. Number one was to replace most of my consulting income with product revenue. And my initial goal was $120,000 of revenue for the year. And the second goal was to start Mega Maker. And uh, it was initially all kind of wrapped around this idea of me making 100 things in 2016. So how did I do? Let's start with what worked. Number one, starting small. Uh, You know, I have friends who uh, just quit their job and start building a business from scratch. And that works for some people. But personally, I'm glad I built up momentum over eight years. Uh, In 2008, I started my blog. In 2012, I started a podcast called Product People with my friend Kyle Fox. In 2013, I released my first tiny product online. Uh, I think it made about $3,000 uh, from that product on the launch. Um, 2014, I started the Product People Club. And in 2015, I released Marketing for Developers. Now, this side hustle, and this was all while I was working full-time as a product manager for a software company, but this side hustle had a lot of benefits. First, by focusing on this audience of product people over the years, I've been able to build a network, a reputation, and an audience. And By the end of 2015, I had about 9,000 people on my email list, about 8,000 Twitter followers, and I'd also slowly built up side project revenue. So in 2012, I did $10,000 in just side project revenue. In 2013, it doubled to $20,000. It doubled again in 2014 to $40,000. I had hoped I could double it again to $80,000 in 2015 and ended up doing $66,000. But it was at that point in 2015 where I just made, you know, $66,000 in side revenue that I thought, you know what, I might be able to make the jump from doing this on the side to doing this full-time, to making a full-time living from the things I make. Um, So I'll get back to that. I'll let you know what my revenue numbers were in 2016, first year full-time. That's coming. Uh, The second thing that worked was focusing on content. Now, chances are, you know me from my writing, justinjackson.ca, this podcast, or recently, uh, my video work. That's something else that's happened since the last time we chatted on this show. I've started investing a lot more in YouTube. YouTube.com slash Justin Jackson. But if you look at each of those properties, um, I've been able to build up an audience in each of them. Uh, JustinJackson.ca had 258,000 page views in 2016. And that was up quite a bit from 160,000 in 2015. And like uh, Jason Fried and a bunch of other people, I've found that 
cross-posting select pieces on medium.com is a great way for reaching new people. And so I had another 160,000 page views on Medium this past year. Uh, My main product site in 2016 was devmarketing.xyz. That's my course for software developers who want to learn marketing. And um, its traffic was also up. Uh, It was up to 46,000 page views, up from 28,000 in 2015. So focusing on content works. And we see this reflected with a bunch of other folks. Uh, Intercom.com is a, a, a startup that has almost put all of their money into just doing content marketing. And uh, yeah, it can really work if you do it right. Uh, The next thing that went well was growing my audience. Most of my customers are people who started following my work online. So, you know, they join my newsletter list or, you know, follow me on Twitter and gradually they get more committed and eventually they might buy something from me. So um, most of my customers come from my mailing list. Um, This year, 2016, uh, my subscribers were up 33%. So like I mentioned, I was at about 9,000 and it went up to just over 12,000. I had an even bigger increase on Twitter. It was up 38%. So went from uh, just below 8,000 to about 11,000 now. So yeah, quite a big increase there. I still really like Twitter. Uh, a lot of people uh, are kind of uh, down on Twitter recently, um, but I just it's still a great platform for me. I, a lot of my blog post ideas start out there. Um, yeah, so Twitter worked really well for me. And the final thing I'd like to touch on under the what worked category is revenue. Now, I debated whether I was going to tell you guys the actual numbers because uh, actually, if you go to the blog post for this, which is in the show notes, you you don't get the revenue numbers. I've hidden them, but I think I'll share them with you because you're my podcast audience and I appreciate that you're here. Um, So as I mentioned, my goal for the first year solo was to do about $10,000 in revenue a month. That would have been uh, $120,000 in revenue total. Well, I ended up doing about 145000 in revenue, so an average of about 12000 a month, which was great. Um, I really appreciate all the customers that helped make that happen. Uh, my biggest month was in June when I did a partnership with a deal website, and October had the second highest sales, which is when I relaunched uh, Marketing for Developers. So about 55% of my revenue came from Marketing for Developers, about 20% came from ProductPeople.club, and about 9% came from Jolt, the book I wrote in the summer. So, whew, big uh, sigh of relief, 2016 goal achieved. Um, and I, I just want to emphasize that achieving this goal was the result of gradual progress each year over the last five years. There's no hockey stick or single lucky event. It was just me putting in the work. All right. Now let's talk about the 2016 Maker Challenge. Uh, you know, after a decade of waiting to go independent, I had a lot of pent up creative energy. And the idea was to launch this podcast with a public challenge. I would make 100 things in one year. And I made my list public and started tracking the things I made big and small. And part of this was amazing. I was challenging me I was challenging myself personally, taking risks and trying things I'd wanted to do for a very long time. Also, 
I ended up achieving the goal of making 100 things. If you go to megamaker.co slash list, uh, you can click through and see last year's list. I've got a 2017 list going. But yeah, that, that felt great to accomplish that. But there's a big asterisk here because now we're going to go into what didn't go well in 2016. And in many ways, making 100 things was like a midlife crisis. I finally had the freedom to try new stuff, but I went crazy like a, a kid in the candy store. And I had, you know, friends that were saying, you know, if I was you, Justin, I wouldn't do this this maker challenge thing. It seems to detract or distract you from the things that have already worked, like marketing for developers. And it turns out from a business perspective, they were right. I spent six months exploring my creativity and doing crazy projects like the Mega Maker Burrito, but I didn't make any significant new revenue until I wrote Jolt and I re-released Marketing for Developers and I doubled down on Product People Club. Now, I still believe that the more stuff you make, the better stuff you'll make, but I think from a business perspective, I should have been more focused. And also, from an audience perspective, I should have been more focused. In the beginning, Mega Maker was concentrated on artists, creatives, makers, artisans who want to make more stuff. But now, this podcast is focused on software developers, designers, and entrepreneurs who want to earn an independent income online. And this has been a much more natural fit for me and my audience. All right, I'm going to leave it there. I like these episodes to be around 15 minutes long. So tune in next week. I'm going to talk about my plans for this year, uh, what I'd like to do better in 2017, what I've already started doing. We're already in February. I'm planning some new swag for the Mega Maker store, store.megamaker.co. And uh, this theme music you're listening to right now, that's striker-metal.com. The podcast is hosted by simplecast.com. And uh, if you want to follow me or reach out on Twitter, I am the letter M, the letter I, Justin. That's M-I, Justin. But I would also love for you to go check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Justin Jackson. I've just set up notifications for iTunes reviews. So if I know that this is always the thing, it's hard to remember, but if you could give yourself a note if you're driving or if you can just remind yourself, as soon as you get to the office, go on the computer, go to iTunes, search for Mega Maker, leave a review. That really helps other people find the show and I really appreciate it. Whew. Feels good, folks. Glad to be back. Glad you're here and I will talk to you next week.